Well, grace, mercy, and peace be yours in abundance. In our, in God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't worry. Be happy. That was and is a catchy song made very popular by the well-known, well-loved reggae singer from Jamaica, Bob Marley. As catchy as it is, though, it doesn't quite capture any compelling reason to actually stop worrying and, well, be happy. You know, ain't got no place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. Don't worry. Be happy. The landlords say your rent is late. He may have to litigate. Don't worry. Be happy. Look at me. I'm happy. Well, Bob, you're also being sued. I'm afraid yours is not the kind of advice I would ever consider seriously passing on to my kids. Well, from Bob, then, to St. Paul. Maybe to some people now, these two sound the same. Well, here's Paul, the apostle, from our epistle today. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, some might say that sounds pretty much like the same thing you heard in the reggae classic. But St. Paul here, as he is wont to do in all of his correspondence with those churches that he planted, he includes God in the equation. And I have to say that that fact alone makes all the difference. But then again, if one doesn't believe or have God in his life, Yes, I could see then how these two authors, Bob and Paul, might sound more alike. Uh, well, another author, oh, excuse me, author from today, 21st century, Philip Yancey, well known for his advice and his ministry to youth. He points out that the absence of God in one's life also presents problems for Thanksgiving. Quote, it's a terrible thing to be grateful and have no one to thank, to be awed, and have no one to worship. I think that's a fair point that Philip Nancy makes. I mean, it's kind of like having a love song that you wrote, and you feel that it's quite beautiful, but you have no one that you're in love with to sing it to. No love. Well, speaking of songs, here we are in the refurbished sanctuary once again, singing, hearing the choir, hearing Karen's wonderful accompaniment on the organ, blasting it out. Isn't that something that it only took a month or two, or give or take three months? But hey, absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? Or in this case, on the eve of Thanksgiving, it makes the heart grow that much more thankful. I believe it anyway. And that's a good thing. One preacher put it this way, a great mind excuse me, a grateful mind is a great mind. I kind of like that. You can reverse it as well. A great mind is a grateful mind. But that's the theme here. The Bible seems to agree with that sentiment. You know, there are 138 passages of Scripture on the subject of thanksgiving. And you'll always hear that same God connection with thanksgiving. The Bible doesn't separate those at all. It just underscores the reason we have to be thankful, and it identifies the one to whom our joyous expressions are properly directed. 
For instance, Colossians 3, 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. First Thessalonians 5 adds, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now Paul means it. Do you recall Paul in the Philippian jailhouse for preaching the gospel? There with his companion Silas, who also got arrested with Paul. And it couldn't have been a pleasant experience. Can't imagine how uh, terrible it must have been. Let alone uh, Paul being mistreated in terms of the fair treatment under the law. You see, Paul was a Roman citizen, and a Roman citizen was due his day in court before any incarceration was meted out. But where, uh, but what he and his Christian companion Silence are doing is pretty shocking given the circumstances. What's he doing in that dark, dank cell? Oh, yes, karaoke. Not exactly. They were singing hymns to God. This is all in Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Now, it was not, we're in the jailhouse now, and he wasn't singing, don't worry, be happy. And they weren't drunk. They were singing their praises to God right there in the prison cell. Go figure. Are you stuck unjustly in jail somewhere? Praise God in all circumstances. Is that earthquake shaking your unstable jail cell that's not quite built up to build uh, up to code? Glory to your name, O Lord. See, Paul doesn't dish out any medicine that he doesn't himself take. This God connection is very real, and it makes a real impact, and it registers a real change in people. Paul says, I know what it is to have little. It makes a uh, big difference to have the big God who's taking care of you. So he says, in any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being in need. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me, from Philippians 4. Amen to that. We can say this, that Paul's attitude of gratitude, as some like to call it, as expressed in their joyous singing from that jail cell, that indeed made a big impression on the jailer, the one who was standing watch and make sure they didn't steal away. And by the end of that eventful night, however, the Philippian jailer himself got baptized in the Christian faith along with his entire family. So I'd like to know, what were those hymns Paul and Silas were singing? I'll have to save that question for heaven when I get there. Unfortunately, uh, relatively few hymns are completely devoted to just thanking God. You can find some, but among the small, rich handful, we do have this one, Now Thank We All Our God, our closing Thanksgiving hymn tonight that we'll sing in a few moments. And there's almost a Pauline story that goes along with that Thanksgiving standby as well. And I'm kind of hoping you don't know it because I'd like to share it with you in closing. But first things first, uh, since we're in a Thanksgiving mood tonight, I'd like to first thank the parishioner who gifted me that nice resource book, Whence This True Story Comes. The book is called Then Sings My Soul, 150 of the World's Greatest Hymn Stories. And the thoughtful member, I don't think she's here, Donna Shedler, thank you, maybe you'll see it on the uh, website. So 
Um, I knew at least one of those 150 was going to end up in a sermon sometime, and here it is on Thanksgiving. This particular hymn, Now Thank We All Our God, happens to be a favorite among our uh, Christian brethren over in Germany. They sing it there, much like we so commonly sing the doxology. Here, you know, praise God from whom all blessings flow. But we Americans, with our enthusiastic Thanksgiving celebrations, which, by the way, uh, they outdo even Christmas time when it comes to families getting together. Um, so we really love Thanksgiving. And we love this hymn, too. It's written by another Martin, also German, Martin Rinkhart is his name. He lived mostly in the century after Martin Luther. Rinkhart died in the year 1649, which is about 100 years after Luther died. But Martin Rinkhart was himself a Lutheran pastor in a little village called Eilenburg in Saxony. Now, Saxony is where Luther also lived. Rinkart grew up as the son of a poor coppersmith, and as a young man, he sensed the call to the ministry. It was just after his theological training was complete that he had begun his pastoral work, and then, boom, the infamous European Thirty Years' War broke out. And it was raging throughout all the German states. And it was a very nasty war. Maybe how we Americans might look at the Civil War or World War I. Those were terrible times. It's not so much that in this 17th century European stage that brother fought brother, not necessarily anyway, but casualties were extremely high from this war, as in some estimates go all the way up to 12 million dead. Very devastating. And if you look up just the bloodiest war in European history, it's that war. This, like so many of history's wars, was ostensibly a religious war. Of course, as is almost always the case, there were plenty of other contributing factors like political alliances, land grabs, the resurgence of old feuding families like Habsburgs. You also heard the name Ferdinand tossed around here and there, whether it was Ferdinand II or Ferdinand III. But battles were many, as were participating countries. As far north as Sweden and Denmark in the north there, Spain and Portugal in the south, and there were still some Turks that were hired to be mercenaries in all the different battles. Blood spilled for 30 years, and besides uh, soldiers dying, the plague devastated both civilian and military populations. One of the most unfortunate consequences that I count among the many was the fact that religion, the Christian religion specifically, with all its rivalries and murderous conflicts, it was on full display among the Catholics, the Lutherans, the Calvinists, and the rest of the world. It did not make the Reformation look any better in the rearview mirror. Although I personally doubt whether uh, Martin Luther, had he been alive, would have endorsed Germany's involvement, uh, at least not Lutherans per se, as Lutherans. In other words, as state citizens, maybe one of the, uh, you could be a citizen of one of the German states or provinces, and these citizens may have had a legitimate interest in the war, but to pick up the sword as a Christian, no. Uh, just to gain your wor- a right to worship in um, 
our Lord in heaven the way you want. See, Luther had this two-kingdom theory. Kingdom of man, kingdom of God. And that seems to place Luther more likely in the same camp as our Lord Jesus Christ himself when before Pilate, he describes his kingdom, if my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this world. That's what our Lord said in John 18. But of Luther's position on a scenario like that of the 30 years war, we, we can never be sure. That's the other question I want to ask when I get to heaven. But what we do know is that afterwards, secularism and the enlightenment sprang forth from all those battlegrounds. They became the leading influences post the 30 years war in Europe. And many of the survivors had just had it with religion and the differences in religion and the violence from one particular group in Christianity towards another. The 30-year war remains a black eye, unfortunately, on the history of Christianity. But it didn't stop true Christians like Pastor Martin Rinkart from doing all he could do to minister to the many soldiers and civilians in need. Floods of refugees streamed into his walled city of Eilenburg, and it was the most desperate of times. At one point, the Swedish army encompassed the city gates, and inside the walls, there is nothing but plague, famine, fear. 800 homes were dis, uh, destroyed, deaths were accelerating, and there was a tremendous strain put on the pastors. They expended almost all their strength in just preaching the gospel like military chaplains, caring for the sick and burying the dead. But one after another, the pastors themselves took ill and perished. Finally, it was only Martin Rinkart, last pastor standing. And some days he conducted as many as 50 funerals in one day, one pastor. The Swedes finally got tired of their siege, and they demanded a huge ransom. Well, the Swedes happened to be Lutheran at this point in history. And it was Martin Rinkart, the Lutheran pastor, who left the safe cities, excuse me, the safe walls that uh, surrounded the city. He left that to negotiate with the enemy at this point. And he did it with such courage and faith that, thankfully, there was soon a cessation of hostilities. That bitter period of suffering had finally ended. Pastor Martin Rinkart, being a man of God's word, who took God's word seriously, he recalled St. Paul's encouraging word to the Thessalonian brothers and sisters as a strong medicine, to be sure. St. Paul said there, in everything give thanks, not for everything necessarily, but in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rinkart took that to heart. Knowing then that there could only be complete healing, uh, or there couldn't be uh, complete healing without thanksgiving, that's how important the scriptures put their emphasis on it, Rinkart went to work and composed this hymn for all the survivors to sing along with him as they stood before now the open gates of Eilenburg. And this hymn now has been sung all around the world ever since. So it's this verse that starts it off. Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices who wondrous things has done in whom this world rejoices. 
imagine a pastor being able to say that after the whole ordeal that he went through. But, you know, persecutions continue. That's a promise from our Lord. We don't like to quote it too often, but he says they didn't want me. They're not going to want you. But tonight, what we can rejoice in, as former enemies of God, where we were at enmity with one another, God himself takes the worry out of that so that through the reconciling work of his son's shed blood on the cross for us, now we stand before the open gates of heaven and sing thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Amen.